And welcome back, guys. This is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We get to that point of the day where we get to dig into the Bible and mm-hmm. study the Bible to find out what the Bible has to say for us today. Join the 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world, all studying the same passage of the Bible on the same day. So that's what we're going to be doing here And if today. you're wondering how they do that, they do that through the use of uh, a study guide. So there's a study guide published uh, four times a year and covers yep. three months of the year at a time and uh, has a topic, a theme, and, uh, and everyone gets a copy of that. You can download it off, you know, on the internet for free. And the word on the street is that mm. next next year, the first quarter of next year, uh-huh. we're starting the book of Revelation. Which Lyle is just salivating over. Which is so funny because be so I think it was the one previous to the one we're doing at the moment was end time. The theme was end times and you were away for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Your favourite topics. Okay, Lyle, let me hit you with another clue for our quiz. What city am I? Great numbers of people were saved in this city, so the church of Jerusalem sent Barnabas to encourage them. Mm. Okay. If you know what city that is, give us a call. Our number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. And you can win the prize this morning. And not just to encourage them, to, but to find out what was going on. Yeah. Why is yeah. it going nuts in Encourage. This city? <laughs> yes. 1-800-324-843 is our number if you know the answer or text us on 0491-064-669. And we continue our study. Our theme for this part of the year is unity. Indeed, unity. This week we're going to talk about unity in faith. And, of course, unity in faith is a interesting concept, Mon. Do you agree with everything that I teach about the Bible? Every last little detail. Mm, I want to say for the <laughs> most part, like ninety nine percent. There's a couple of times I've been like, oh, I'm not so sure I agree with that. Okay. <laughs> okay, and I think that that's actually healthy within Christianity. We need to uh-huh. be students, and if we were just all, you know, lemmings. Uh-huh. Christianity would not be healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to be students of the Word. We need to be studying the Word. We need to be finding out things from the Bible mm-hmm. for ourselves. We mm-hmm. need to be learning. We need to be growing. We need to be challenging each other. We need to be sharing with each other. And sometimes when somebody shares something new with you that you haven't heard before, it's like, yes, I agree with that. And sometimes it's, no, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. And that's what causes us to study and to learn more. That's a healthy thing. Yeah. Having said that, there are some major tenets that it is important that we do agree on, mm-hmm. that are foundational. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we don't agree on Jesus Christ, then we are not a Christian, because a Christian is a follower of Christ. He's a Christian. A Christian. Christian. Mm-hmm. A Christian. That's right. So there are, you know, there's some there's some things where there's 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 definitely uh, leeway for disagreement, for discussion, for even. Uh, strident debate, and we encourage that. That's good. That's healthy. That's the way it should be. And there are other areas that are simple non-negotiables if you are going to call yourself a Christian. So this week, we're going to look at some of the non-negotiables. Ah, good. Let's do it. Yeah. And we're going to start in Acts chapter 4. Been reading a lot from Acts. Yeah, Acts we have. Four. I usually open my Bible straight to Acts, although for some reason, randomly this morning, I opened my Bible to Ezekiel. There you go. Because those books are similar. Not quite sure how. They're both in the Bible. Maybe that's it. <laughs> You're trying to save face for me. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Acts chapter 4. All right, Acts what? chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. 
Yeah, I'll look at that. I have my bookmark right there. Yeah. So you just open to the bookmark. Yeah. And why don't you read, start reading for us verse Mon in verse 8, 8 through 12. 8 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and leaders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. You look really confused. No. Oh, okay, come on. I thought maybe I was reading the wrong verse. Did I read the right thing? You didn't finish reading. Oh, you want me to keep going? Yeah. There I is said through 12, not, oh, up, sorry, my not bad. up to 12. Yeah. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Okay, so Peter is quite emphatic here as he introduces Jesus Christ on the day of Pentecost as a central theme of his sermon mm. that it is in Jesus where we find salvation. Plain and simple, it is not anywhere else that we find salvation. Um, and you know he 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 brings in this thought here, and in, in verse twelve he, he concludes this little section. You know he begins by talking about you know all of the the prophets have pointed towards this. There is all of this evidence from Scripture. There is all this evidence that we have from the life that Jesus lived on this earth. <clears throat> and in fact, while you are all you know standing around and thinking that the fact that Jesus died means that. Uh, the, the whole ministry of Jesus has come to an end and it's over and that you know he wasn't the Messiah. This is actually proof that he is the Messiah. And then he makes this really big, bold statement. It's the first time that we actually find it recorded anywhere in the Bible where he just comes straight out and he says, you know, neither is there salvation in anyone else. Yeah. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we can be saved. He's, I mean, he's very emphatic when he goes, the man you crucified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not mincing his words here today. No, he's not holding back. And it's interesting that, you know, 3,000 people said, yes, we crucified him. And yes, we're going to give our lives to him. It's amazing. Because as Peter said it back then, and we think, oh, man, Peter, that was pretty strong language. Can't believe that you stood up in front of those Jewish people and accused them of crucifying Jesus. Uh, when, 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 you know, when we think about that and it's like, wow, you know, that would really turn people away. The simple reality is that those words are spoken to us. Mm, They're spoken to you and I because it was you and I that crucified Jesus. And it was you, dear listener, you crucified Jesus. You know, we can't go blaming it on this group or that group, the Pharisees or the Romans or uh, the Jews or whoever you want to blame it on because the reality is it was you who crucified Jesus. Jesus is sovereign God. You can't crucify sovereign God. You know, you don't have the power to do that. No human being has the power to do that. You know, you, you, the Roman nails and the um, judgments of the Sanhedrin did not keep Jesus on the cross. There was only one thing that kept Jesus on the cross, and that was you, and it was his love for you. He chose to stay there. He stayed on the cross because that was his decision, his choice. At any moment, he could have just gone bang and come down off the cross. And uh, and and he, and he 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 wanted to spend eternity with you. He loved you that much. That's why he stayed on the cross. And that's why there is no salvation anywhere else outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that's it, plain and simple. And so I think Mon, we have here something that is foundational to being a Christian. Absolutely. You cannot be a Christian, and you you can be a follower of the Bible. You can be a follower of Yahweh to something. You can claim those things anyway. 
without being a Christian. You can make those claims, but you can't be a Christian without making a claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, who is the one and only one who saves us from our sins. Okay, so Acts chapter 10, Mon, if you could flick over there for us, please. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. What do you got for us there? This is uh, Peter, of course, once again, preaching to Cornelius. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Okay, so whereabouts do we receive forgiveness of sin? Uh, through Jesus' name and believing in him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there, once again, there is no other way that we can find freedom from sin. There is no other way that we can find forgiveness of sin. There is no other way that we can get cleansing from sin. There's no other way that we can experience conversion. There is no other way that we can become a new person except by giving our lives to Jesus Christ. It's actually pretty simple. Allowing him to come into our life and, and taking that sin away. It's actually pretty simple, and, and as humans, as the human race has progressed, we've made it more and more complicated, haven't we? Oh, we love to make it complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you read the gospel message, and simply, and if you're listening this morning and you've never done this, and God is calling to your heart right now, then simply just say that prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm giving my life to you now. I'm surrendering my life to you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to fill me. I want you to have access to every portion of my life. And I want you to forgive me, take away my sins, and uh, change me into a new person. It's that simple. Mm. That simple to give your life to Jesus Christ. And, And what will happen is when you do that, God is going to take you on a journey. Don't expect to like, oh, I did that, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, because God is get definitely going to be taking you on a journey from that point forward. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And as God takes you on that journey, God is going to change your life. He's going to make you into a new and different and better person. That's what Christianity is all about. Yeah, it was interesting. On Friday night, I was listening to Faith FM, um, and there, there was a woman who was reading out our portions from a really great book called The Great Controversy. Outstanding book. A really good book. And she was reading the history of the Waldensians and uh, and just saying, you know, it was during the Dark Ages, people didn't have access to the Bible, and the Waldensians were, um, they had they'd hidden the Bible, and they were, you know, sneaking it into the communities and the towns and the cities and teaching people about the Bible. And it was just incredible to to hear her uh, hear from this book um, the description of how there were so many people who were desperately trying to seek the favor of God. They're trying to find out, like you know, how they can be forgiven. What can they do to make up for you know their sins? They felt so wretched. They felt they could never get forgiveness or salvation. I could never be worthy. They were trying to you know work their way there, but they were so just oppressed with the realization that no matter how good they tried to be or how much good they tried to do. Nothing could really atone for their sins, and so they're living these wretched lives, just you know, wrought with 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 anxiety over over the over their situation. And then these Waldensians would come in, and they would find these people, and they would teach them this this good message right here. That it really is just simple, and the Bible actually teaches, you know, all you need to do is accept forgiveness and accept salvation, and ask God to come into your heart, and it's done. And just the the lightness, like just just this huge burden lifted off these people's shoulders, and just when they realize 
will God really forgive me? Like, will he will he really accept me just as I am? Mm-hmm. And uh, and just the power that that had to transform their lives. Oh, it was such a good story. Maybe we'll give that book away today at the end of the show. I think that would be a fantastic sure idea. Have, yeah. I read that book when I was a young person. And uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, I found a copy laying around and uh, read it. And then I, before, b- between the age of 15 and 20, I read that book six times. Wow. Yeah, wow. You know, it was just like mind-blowing. It was just, yeah. Well, stay tuned because at the end of the show today, in about oh, 40 minutes, I reckon we'll give away a copy of it for free then. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll Great kind of coming Stay up. tuned. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. That is a book worth reading. Been around for a while, but mm-hmm. just one of the most insightful turner. books that I have ever read. Uh, particularly if you love history and prophecy like I do. Let's go to Romans chapter 3 and we will read Romans chapter 3 and verse 24. Uh, Mon, why don't you read that one for us, please? Romans, I can never remember if Romans is on the other side of Acts or on the far side of Acts. Romans 3.24. Okay, here we go. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of for our sins. Okay, so what does Jesus declare us to be in this verse? He declares us to be righteous. Are we? I mean, not of ourselves. No, we're not. Through him. But when he declares us that, are we? Yeah, absolutely. God says yes. it, it is. And this is something that we need to accept by faith because when we look at ourselves, we're going to say, oh, no, I'm a very unrighteous person. And mm-hmm. even Paul says, you know, I'm chief of sinners. When he looks at himself, I'm like, it's like I'm the greatest of the sinners, all the sinners that there ever is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most of us would have a reaction very, very similar to that. But here Paul says, no, Jesus declares you righteous. Now, if Jesus declares something to be, is it so? Absolutely. What evidence do we have of that in our world? Creation. Creation. Mm-hmm. How did God create the world? He said it and it was. He declared it to be and it was. Mm. And so if God's creative power, if God can declare the world to be and the world is, if God can create the trees to be and the trees are, if God can create, can declare the animals to be and the animals are, if God can can declare the sun, moon, and stars to be, and the sun, moon, and stars are, then when God declares you to be righteous, are you just? Is this just a uh, a white covering over the top of all of your sinfulness, or are you actually righteous? Actually righteous. Actually righteous, because the creative power of God makes you what you actually are. Which is why it's important to um to to. To realize that creation is, you know, the six day week, six week, sorry, six week, six day creation week, right? Absolutely, because yeah. if you don't believe that, then you don't believe in the creative power of God. Yeah, and then what power would he have to You have a make you limited God. Mm-hmm, that's you know, right. a God who, is, who is, so, is so limited that he has to use death as a means of creation. Mm-hmm. And then you have a problem with your own self. Why would you want to believe in a God who didn't do the six day creation? Like, you really yeah. just. Ripping the rug out from under his feet. Yeah. 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 It's just like, and, and so either you're going to believe in God or you're not going to believe in God. Either God is powerful mm-hmm. or he's not powerful. Mm-hmm. And if God is limited, then he is not powerful. You know, he's not God. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we need to ask ourselves the question, all right, really, do we really, um, do we really believe in God? Is he really powerful? And if he is, then why would we question what he says in the Bible? Yeah. So these theist evolutionists, these people who believe in, God and evolution. God creating through death. I'd like to hear them explain. A God of pain and suffering. The, dec- the, de- like the power that he has when he declares something and it is when it comes to my salvation. Like how do they explain that then? If he, didn't, if he couldn't create the world, then how is he going to make me righteous, you know? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. If God doesn't have the power to declare something and it is, then then we're all toast. Yeah, that's and that's that's the that's one of the biggest problems with evolution, is it? You know, and yeah. this is one of the other interesting things that I find about the power of God is that God not only says that he declares us to be righteous and what God declares is, but God also says that he will forget our sins. That's right. We don't forget our sins. But God says that He will, and we don't forget the sins of others because, and particularly living in a sinful world, that's not necessarily a good thing. You know, it's not necessarily a good thing to forget the sins of others because you can get yourself into danger. You know, that's if, right. if uh if you got married, mon, and your husband beat you up and you forgot about it the next day, that mm-hmm. might not be a great thing. That's right, because mm-hmm. he might beat you up worse and you might die. That's right. Um, we're going to talk about domestic violence coming up in the question of the day coming up soon, but God is different. When we go to God, we surrender our lives to God. He declares us righteousness. Righteous, that means that we are. And he says he forgets our sins. That means that he does. You know, there's a, a, a thought worth thinking about. It's, it's hard to understand that, to be honest. Because God ha- actually has that. We don't have the power to do that. Yeah. We can say, okay, I'm going to forget that sin. We don't actually have that power. Yeah. God does. Mm-hmm. And so we come to God and it's like, oh, God, I did this and that and the other sin, you know, ones that we've already confessed. And it's like, you already confessed those. I don't remember those. What are you talking about? Yes. Right. You know, I've forgiven you. Why haven't you forgiven yourself? Mm-hmm. And this is the thing. You know, God forgives us straight away. We just struggle to forgive ourselves. But if God has forgiven us, why should we be hanging on to that guilt ourselves? Okay, so here's the thing. God declares that you are righteous. Does he leave you there? No. So he's just like, yep, I declare you to be righteous. Now you are righteous. Doesn't matter how many wicked things you do, you are righteous. No, not at all. Okay, let's go to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. Actually, we read verse 1 and 2, I think. 1 John, first letter of John. So down near the book of Revelation, you'll find these letters. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. First John, I mean, Peter, what am I doing? First John. Uh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I should read this from my translation. Go on then. Read in verse. I'll read, I'll read you verse 2. Okay, first John one. You not you don't look at yours and you explain mine. Okay, so I'm reading first John chapter one verse one. No, chapter two verse one. I'm just going to read the verse. You tell me what it says. And he is the propitiation for our sins. There you go. Ooh, (laughs) propitiation. (laughs) That's a big old word. We might read (laughs) it. It's Monday morning (laughs) (laughs) life. We might read it in yours. Give us verse chapter two verse one and two. My dear, give us verse one first, and then we'll do verse two. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Okay, let's stop there and let's think about this for a moment. In chapter 2 and verse 1, John states his purpose for writing the letter. Mm-hmm. What is his stated purpose? We're actually going to come back and we're going to talk more about that in just a moment because his stated purpose is key to what we're going to study coming up. The long battle is now behind No more need to be brave For though we walked through darkest night Now we walk into endless day Can you hear the voice of him? 
sing and forevermore to Melissa Otto with Can You Hear? You're listening to Faith FM. We have another clue for the quiz coming your way. Yes, indeed. What city am I? Barnabas and Saul lived and taught in this city for a whole year. One whole year Mm. in this city. There you go. Give us a call if you know the answer. Okay. You know the number, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. All right, so First John chapter 2 and verse 1. What is John's purpose in writing the letter of First John? Uh, he's encouraging the people not to sin. Okay. And he's telling them what will happen if they do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So he says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. Mm. That's what it says in my translation. In other words, I'm writing this so that you don't sin. Yeah. So my, his whole purpose in writing the book of First John is so that we don't sin. That Very is, clear. That is, that is John's clear. purpose. That is God's purpose. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about how the, that God declares us righteous. Yes. And when God declares us righteous, we can we, we do we then just sit back and say, okay, God has declared me to be righteous. It doesn't matter how sinful I am, God has declared to me righteous. That's it. It's all over, done, uh, taken care of, nothing more to worry about. I can go on living as sinfully as I want and I can do it guilt-free. Is that what the Bible <laughs> is talking about? No. <laughs> no, the whole purpose of being a Christian, a Christian, a follower of Christ, is to live a righteous life, isn't it? Correct. However, sometimes in that whole uh, process of living a Christian or Christian life, we sin. That's right. We mess up. Sadly. We are humans. Mm-hmm. And so what does John say uh, Jesus will do for us when we do that? He says, but if you do sin, uh, we have an advocate who pl- pleads our case before Jesus, um, before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Okay, so we have an advocate. Uh, right. An advocate is a is a defense. Mm-hmm. Has Jesus ever lost a case? No. No, he's never lost a case. He won't lose your case either, provided that you entrust that case into his hands. Okay, so let's uh, continue on here uh, with verse 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Okay, so how important then is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Oh, it's super important. Without it, we're just doomed. I think we have found here a fundamental. 
This Indeed. is not something on which we can equivocate on. Mm-hmm. If we start equivocating on the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that uh, his death uh, provides forgiveness and cleansing for our sins, then, yeah, we're not Christians. This is the, this is the grace of God right here mm-hmm. that is made freely available to us. This is foundational to Christianity and something that we need to be united on as Christians. If we are not united on this point, then we are in deep trouble. There are some areas of the Bible that you and I can disagree on, Mon. Yep. You can, you can do. You're happy. I'm happy for you to disagree with me, and 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 there'll be a bunch of people go. What is he talking about? But there'll be some <laughs> people go. Oh, I know what he's talking about. Um, on on say the daily of Daniel chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Ah, you do. Yeah. I thought I was. I was trying to look look for something super obscure. <laughs> <laughs> no, cover that one in Bible college. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So you're allowed to disagree with me on that. Okay. You are not allowed to disagree with anyone who claims to be a Christian on this point right here. This is foundational. Indeed. Okay. Let's go to First John chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. First John chapter 4, one page over, verses 9 and 10 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Thank you. Okay, so as we as we go through these uh, passages here, you know, it was manifest, you know, the, the love of God toward us because that God sent His only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Mm. So fundamental to Christianity is not just the belief in Jesus Christ; it is the belief in God as well. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Godhead. Mm-hmm. You can't believe in one without believing in the other. You can't just have Jesus like, oh, I just believe in Jesus. I don't believe in anyone else. It's such a weird concept to not believe in all three of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of this anti-Trinitarian kind of thing that yeah, goes around at times. And it's like, I don't get it. It's like I'm believing in Australia without Tasmania. It's like, well, it's part of it really, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's the best part. Oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best part. Okay. <clears throat> Good things come in small packages. <clears throat> um, all right. So we've got there the, uh, um, yeah, the love of God. Okay, so let's, cut, let's come back to this because this passage also highlights the love of God. And I would say that the love of God, God's character as being a character of love is foundational. Mm-hmm. Not all Christians believe in this. I think all Christians claim to believe it, but some of the things that some Christians teach teach a doctrine that portrays a God who is not a God of love. Yeah. Who is a God of hate and vengeance and... Um, Just looking to see who can punish. Try and keep as many people out of heaven as you can. And, mm-hmm. and if you and if you make it in there, it's like, drat, I've, I thought I'd been able to keep him out, but I am forced to keep him in. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit like uh, I heard a story one time. Uh, I was reading a story one time about a man who, and this is a true story, um, this particular individual had passed away. And they'd had the funeral and you know, a couple of days after the funeral, there's a couple of farmers chatting together about the funeral and the, and, and the fact that this uh, person had passed away. And one of the farmers was like, you know, he's in a better place right now. He's gone to heaven and he's, he's in heaven with God. And uh, the other farmer was like, you know, I'm not so sure about that. I don't think he's in heaven with God. 
And the other guy's like, why? Why isn't he in heaven with God? Well, he says, did you know about this and this and this and this and named three or four items that had been stolen from his farm? Mm. He says, "Do you did you know that he was the man who stole those things from you? And the other guy's, no, I didn't know that. And suddenly this, this, this thing dawns on him. He's not going to heaven because he's a thief. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I didn't know that. And he's like, okay, right here, right now, in the sight of God, I give those items to that man. Oh, bless his heart. And the other farmer sort of sat back and he says, you know what? He says, you might just be the first person to force God to take someone into heaven. <laughs> You know, and you, you, you sort of you try and wrap your brain around that kind of a mindset. Yeah. You try and wrap your head around that kind of a God. I mean, this was the kind of God that was taught, you know, back in the Victorian era. Mm. And, you know, the story comes out of the post-Victorian era, but it's still a story that's just like, what on earth kind of a God are you serving? Where do you find this kind of stuff in the Bible? Mm. I mean, seriously, don't you read the scriptures? It's, 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 it is absolutely mind-boggling. And I would say that belief in a God of love is foundational. It is fundamental. If you do not believe that God is a God of love, then you're not a Christian. This is, this is foundation of our faith right here. Amen. Okay, one more passage we're going to look at before we end this little section. We're going to look at another foundation. So foundation number one is salvation in Jesus Christ by His grace alone. That is foundational to Christianity. That is something that we cannot equivocate on. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21 and 24. So just a few pages back. Where did Peter go? Why did Peter escape from my Bible? First Peter 20, uh, chapter, chapter 2, verse oh, 21. Well. That's right. I found it. You want me to read it? Yeah, you go, go on. on. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. We're going to close on that particular verse today. Such a great passage right there. The Bible calls us to be a follower of Jesus Christ in living a righteous life, in living our lives like he lived his life. You're listening to Faith FM. I give you praise, O great invisible God space of a dark night for the smile on a face in the sunlight I give you praise O great invisible God for the sound of the storm on the window for the morning adorned with a new snow Tears on the face of the old man Made clean by the grace of the 
fantastic food, fun, friends and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow. Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great. I'll see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hey, Mon. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in miracles? Look, if God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh, yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile.
Welcome back, guys. That was Carly Fletcher with Nothing in This World here on Faith FM. Mon, do we have another clue left for our quiz? Yes, we do have uh, one last clue. Let me hit you with it. Are you ready? Mm, I am. What city am I? Believers were first called Christians in this city. Its name begins with the letter A. Hmm. Well, there you go. What city might that be? That's making it pretty easy, Lemon Squeezy. Particularly because we've been talking about what it means to be a Christian, a Christian, a follower of Christ. Mm -hmm, Indeed. Lyle. Yes. It is time for question of the day. Bring it on. What have we got today? Pretty heavy hitting one. What does the Bible say about domestic violence? This is an interesting question because when we look at what the Bible says about domestic violence, we find that the Bible, number one, is not sexist. Often when we talk about the subject of domestic violence, all we ever talk about is men abusing women without realizing that it can go the other way as well. Now, because you know men tend to be bigger and stronger physically than women, then a lot of the time it is definitely men against women. But as has been pointed out to us on other occasions, sometimes it goes the other direction. And this is a part of domestic violence that is often ignored. The Bible does not take a sexist approach to domestic violence. It doesn't just talk about men abusing women or women abusing men, it just talks about violence. Mm. The other thing that's interesting about what the Bible does is that the Bible doesn't directly deal with the issue of just domestic violence. It doesn't single domestic violence out and say this is a different kind of violence. No, the Bible simply talks about violence. And the Bible is full, packed from one end to the other, of uh, passages that tell us not to be violent. The Bible is aggressively non-violent, if you could put it that way. And so just to share a couple of passages with you, and I probably should share um, what the Bible says about domestic situations, because the Bible does talk about domestic life. And talking about domestic life, the Bible says this, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, this is very significant. So this is the challenge for every husband out there, your responsibility before God, according to Scripture, according to what God says, is to love your wife to the point that you are ready to do what Jesus did and give your life for your wife. If you have a husband who loves his wife to that level, he's not going to perpetrate any domestic violence on his wife. Then the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33, it speaks about wives as well. And the Bible says, so again, I said, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband as it is fit in the Lord. And this really meets the needs of husband of men and women. Men need to be respected. Women need to be loved. And when you have both of these working in harmony together, you will not have domestic violence. You won't have domestic issues. So this is the challenge for you, for those of you who are in relationships today. Husbands, love your wives to the point, whatever form that relation is, love your wife to the point that you're prepared to give your life for her. That's not an option. That's what the Bible commands you. Wives, respect your husbands. Once again, not an option. This is what the Bible commands you to do. And if both couples do this, you're never going to have a problem with domestic violence. It's plain and simple. So if there is a problem with domestic violence, it's actually a problem between the couple's relationship with God. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you take God out of the equation and domestic violence comes in. And whenever 
domestic violence exists in the context, and it so often does, of a Christian home, of a Christian couple, uh, one of the reasons that it exists there is because they have lost their connection with God and they need to reconnect with God. Now, this might be something that you need to do separately because if there is domestic violence in your home, it is time to get out, to leave. It is never safe to stay in an environment of domestic violence, and the Bible nowhere ever says that a couple have to stay together at all costs. Sometimes we have this this attitude like, you know, they can never split up, they can never separate, they can never, you know, they've made this decision, they've made this decision for life, and I believe in marriage. I believe in marriage for life. This is a lifelong commitment, but this is not something where you stay in a dangerous situation or a dangerous relationship. Thank you so much for answering that, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. If you are struggling with domestic violence, please don't stay in that relationship. Get help. The number you can call is 1-800-RESPECT. That is our National uh, Sexual Assault and Domestic and Family Violence Counseling Hotline. 1-800-RESPECT. i yeah. 
You were listening to Jaden Levick with I Surrender All here on Faith FM and we have come to the end of our show and as we always do at the end of the show, we have something to give away and it was announced earlier in the show. We have the book The Great Controversy, Past, Present and Future, How Will It End? Yes. Greatest books I have ever read outside of the Bible. Yeah, indeed, it's a, it's a wonderful book, really great book. Uh, we're giving it away for free right now. You should be the first person to call us up on one eight hundred Faith FM one eight hundred three two four eight four three. First person through will get a free copy sent to them, uh, free in the post as well. Don't have to pay for shipping and handling or nothing like that. It's just completely free. Uh, this book is wonderful. It just it goes through so much history and um, you know it talks about things that have happened in the past, things that are happening in the present, and of course things that will happen in the future, as it was hinted. Uh, so great controversy, great book. Give us a call now. We'll send it to you for free. Of course, if you want to study the Bible, we have lots of ways people can do that, don't we, Lyle? We do indeed. Mm. You can study the Bible through the Discovery Center where they uh, provide Bible studies for people right across the entire South Pacific, if not the world. Indeed. In fact, you can actually uh, study using um, Lyle's uh, study guides that he uh, helped create. He wrote uh, called The Prophetic Code, one of the best study guides I've ever used, to be honest. Um, I've studied with many people using The Prophetic Code. So give us a call if, as well if you'd like to um, yeah, find out more about The Prophetic Code. And uh, yeah, there's many different ways they can study. They can study by themselves. They can study online. They can study in a group setting. Lots of small groups yeah. happening all over Australia. If you'd like to be part of a small group, then give us a call, and we can we can make make those arrangements. Find you a small group to study with. In fact, if you would like to be a part of the 20 million movement live, mm. um, and then those small groups happen every week, and there will be somewhere anywhere in the world where you can go and be a part of the 20 million movement live in a small group setting. So give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. And don't forget, we love you guys. We always enjoy your company. We'll be back tomorrow morning after the 7 o'clock news. Have a blessed day. I was thirsting for that living water Drinking from a well that don't satisfy When I met a man whose words were like no other Said, draw from a well that'll never run dry. He told me everything I had done. He said, come and drink the living water. Come and take from streams of life. You will thirst no more. You will thirst no more I was hungry for heaven's manna And eating the meat that perishes and dies And I met a man, he walked upon the water He said, come partake of the bread of life That cometh down from heaven He said, come and drink the living water Come and take the bread of life You will thirst no more You will want no more There's water that's pure There's a bread that's true 
darkness All around me was trouble and strife And I met a man, he led me from my blindness He said I am the light of life Thirst no more. 